Podcast. This is Phantom of the Podcast. I'm Vanessa Van Alstein. This is, I have with me L. Klaus and uh, John Blake Blacker Blukerson. Yes. Yes. Oh, do, oh, do you want to hear my uh, grandpa's nickname for me? It's super long. Sure. And makes absolutely no sense. <clears throat> I have this memorized now because he said it to me this many times. John Robert Rathburn, Eugene Harold, Tarzan where a squirrel can't go, up a tree, down a tree, cuckoo, chug, chug, poo, woo, twittery, run around the block and see what time it is, Bailey. Your last name is not is this Bailey. Someone... <laughs> the, it, the, I have no idea where the hell he came up with that. What were you going to say, El? He also but, called my brother of the Futinat D'Angelo Morfeo Giacomoni. Which I was going to ask if this was someone who professed to love you in some capacity. You know what? I kind of, you know what, John, you're fired. How do we hire your grandpa? Uh, first of all, you have to raise him from the dead. <laughs> oh, fuck. Done. Not again. And in all fairness, I would not, uh, I would not uh, fault you for wanting to hire my grandpa because he was amazing. My grandpa, his nickname for me, and I want you to remember that he was a he was a Texan, so it was Skeeter Piddle. <laughs> that is a truly that is definitely a, a southwestern kind of name. Do you know how many nights I have laid awake wondering what exactly Skeeter Piddle is? Like, did he just mean mosquito pee? Was he calling me mosquito pee? And is that a good oh, thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Because there's another. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you. Thank you, Elle. Thank you. I hadn't thought of that. I had kept this, like, chaste and happy, one of the few happy memories from an otherwise fucked up childhood. I had kept that clean, but you, you've taken it to, your middle name is now Argento. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to call you uh, Asia now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Elizabeth Argento Klaus. Mm. Mm-hmm. My nickname, my dad would call me Lizard Breath. Your dad's fired. Elizabeth? Your Lizard dad's Breath. fired. We're hiring John's grandpa, but Elizabeth is fired. Elizabeth's <laughs> grandpa is Elizabeth's dad. Your dad. Okay, you well, this has come, gone completely off the rails. Anyway, welcome to the Phantom of the Opera podcast. Phantom of the podcast. Yeah, get it right. Well, we do that thing we do. We're the Oneaters. We're the we're the leading gossip podcast on all things Phantom of the Opera, and that we have no idea what's going on with Phantom. Uh, anyways, John Wood, I think. I have their page liked. Yeah, there you go. I occasionally like look for new fan art and post it on our Facebook. Everybody should check that out. Anyways, so yeah, the version, so like promised, the version we covered was the Hong Kong film from 1937 called Song at Midnight. And uh, mm-hmm. this is probably one of the best screen adaptations of the Phantom of the Opera I've seen. However, it is not entirely true to the Phantom of the Opera. This is very loosely based. I would but- I, I explained this to one of my friends as Les Mis, Cyrano de Vergerac, and... Uh, Phantom of the Opera, all crammed into an Asian movie. That sounds about right. 
Because there's even that famous scene from Cyrano de Bergerac where he's telling the young, handsome man what to say to the young woman to seduce her. You know, I think it's Roxanne and Cyrano de Bergerac. You don't have to put on your red lights. Roxanne. Roxanne. Shut up, John. By police. <laughs> John, if you don't behave, do you know what happens? Do you know what happens? We resurrect your grandfather. We watch him. Yeah, we won't resurrect your grandpa, and we watch another Dario Argento film. Do you want to watch another Dario Argento film? Not really, but at the same time, I almost wonder how much worse could it get, because I hear the Dracula from a couple years ago in 3D is even worse. How did I miss that? Uh, did you do it in 3D? <clears throat> Well, it's, you know, his uh, Suspiria was the last major film uh, filmed in Technicolor. <clears throat> so, Elle, what did, I think she's yelling at a child, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, parenting. That's fine. Just, you know, don't hit them in any place that CPS can see. Um, so this was pretty romantic. I was surprised, like... The Indian's, the Indian's kind of bittersweet, but... Can can we do kind of like a, a brief summary or synopsis? I think, it, yeah, I think, well, I, I can kind of get what I gleaned from what I was able to watch, um, especially since the YouTube version I found, the main one that they advertise when you search for it, is has no subtitles whatsoever. So I was watching mainly, you know, just a, an as-is uh, Hong Kong movie from the thirties, but I was able to glean what I could through between that and the plot synopsis on the Phantom of the Opera wiki wiki wikia fan wiki page. So John. the one that yeah, the one that Vanessa provided the link had subtitles. Wait, the she provided one. Yes, this is why we're resurrecting your grandpa. Well, yes, he was much, he, he, he's, I cannot fault you for that, once again. Yeah, that, that's why you're fired. This, he gonna, is better than me in all ways. We're going to find a better John. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, uh, but basically, like uh, Vanessa was saying, it's kind of a mix of, you've got the Phantom storyline is you have an opera, a, a traditional Chinese opera singer, who falls in love with the daughter of a very well-to-do, I guess, politician or He's lord. a warlord. Sh shut up, shut up. Just stop. Stop. Okay. Elle, do you want to tackle this or do you want me to do it? Well, I didn't... There's going to be some details that I missed because I honestly, despite the fact that I'm a writer, I don't read very fast. So some, some of the stuff just flew past. Um, but uh, the fandom was... Well, actually, it opens with... Uh, a theater troupe taking residence in a like a theater hall and they're practicing and the lead is actually male mr sun or soon i believe his name was um and he has i don't know stage fright he can't sing um and so they take a break i might be i might be missing some details and so the phantom visits him and teaches him how to sing his part and they become friends Right? I think the, the Phantom's name Dai Ping. Dai Ping. 
song. So is that his his well, yeah, song, name is song? Yeah, it's yeah. I always forget that, and I'm like, why aren't they calling him? Oh yeah, it's backwards. It's so backwards. Our, so Mr. Song's his immediate familiar. I can't brain right now. So like his first name in in the Western culture would be Daiping. His last name in Western culture would be Song. Yeah, his yeah. family name is then his given name. Yeah, it's like right, Kim right, Jong Il. Kim is the last name. Right. So he befriends the Phantom. Befriends him. Um, kind of reveals his his backstory. The Phantom was. I think Kumar he was a Tang, He was a revolutionary. Yeah, he was. Right. So he was running from the, ten years prior. He was running from that, and then he. He became got a, involved in theater. He became an opera singer to cover up that he was a revolutionary. That's that's one of the like little sharp jumpy points. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, and the the daughter of um, a warlord fell in love with him. And there was also a rival love interest named Tang Jun. Yeah. Who was jealous of? I think her name was Jai Li. Uh, Jai Li's attention to Mr. Song. So he. What was the first thing he did? He. I remember him breaking the meditating balls in his hand, like some kind of like kung fu badass. Like, but uh, was... yeah. Well, ultimately, what happened was she she chose song and then um mr tang threw acid in his face mm -hmm. after and, he whipped him and it was like it was the carlotta from the jario argento like ketchup whipping not like <laughs> very convincing makeup but yes no well this was also made in 1937 in it wasn't made in china it was made in hong kong did you say taiwan hong kong yeah which is kind of its own country um well, we'll all cover that so, after we get the synopsis. Yeah. So Mr. Song decides that he's too disfigured to be with his lady love, and she he allows everyone to tell her that she died. Um, and so Mr. He, Song wants... Pardon me? That he died. That he died. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, so he wants Mr. Sun to, I don't know relay a message or like i got the hint towards the end that he wanted to provide her with another love interest which was mr mr tang the 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 new singer um but she's not handled the loss of mr Songwell. she's kind of bonkers yeah she's gone and insane. she gets confused that, and she thinks that mr tang is mr song and they have this kind of weird it's mr sun that was posing i think his name I, I'm is sorry i'm getting it's confused. fine yeah tang is the bad uh, guy like orange tang, tang orange tang is the bad guy in this film okay um and then so mr sun um he already has a girlfriend though that's the hitch he has a girlfriend and so mr song the phantom gives mr sun the gender bent Christine, the a, a new play to to or new um, opera to do because they're they're 
troop is not making money. And so in that interchange, the phantom figures out that, hey, Mr. Sun has a girlfriend or a lover and can't replace, can't isn't a good replacement. And then Mr. Tang, sorry, I've got a parent. Okay, I'll, I'll finish it up. Yep. Mr. Tang falls in love with Sun's girlfriend and kind of like takes her off and Sun accuses her of cheating. That's obviously not what happens. And Tang shows up in the dressing room and attempts to rape the girlfriend, uh, pulls a gun when Sun interrupts it, and she jumps in front of the bullet and spares her lover but dies. And then Tang and Dai Ping proceed to get in a fight after Dai Ping tries to throw acid in Tang's face as kind of revenge. And... Uh, People find out that Dai Ping is alive and with the Kuma Tang since he kind of showed up and uh, proceed to try to like burn down the theater, chase him into a building. He dies tragically and Sun ends up with uh, Zia, who's the woman that went crazy. Shall which we? Is what Dai Ping wanted in the first place. Yeah. So it's it's like the... There's two noble sacrifices so that these two people can be together through tragic circumstances. Um, it's It sounds a little convoluted. It makes more sense when you watch it, I think. Yeah, it's a lot harder to break down this kind of, you know, especially since, I mean, how many times in romantic, either comedic or dramatic uh, storylines, there's always kind of that misdirection of the Oh, I completely misunderstood what you know what your intentions were because nobody talks to each other. Well, it's it's very true to Asian cinema for it to be a happily ever after. They don't usually go with the tragic endings like it's going to work out some way. Even though there's a pretty good body count in this one of the main cast, uh, it does ultimately end up that there's like two people in love that are supportive of each other. <laughs> um, I looked up the background of this a little bit because I. It's obviously like modern for 1937-ish uh, setting. It's not the like Victorian setting that had gone on. And Hong Kong at the time, as a result of the British uh, Opium Wars, is a British protectorate. It was released to mainland China in 1997. Like, I remember watching that on TV when the British handed over Hong Kong. But Hong Kong is a little island kind of to the south of uh, yeah, Hong Kong mainland and China. China. What? Yeah, Hong Kong and Taiwan are both are in that, in that very similar area of their islands to the eastern, uh, off the east coast of China that, are, that China considers part of mainland China, but they themselves... Um, have a very odd backstory with British. Uh, yeah, I, I was about to explain some of that because that is what's going on in this film. The film takes place in mainland China. Um, the Kumatang was a group of revolutionaries who decided that they wanted to modernize China and move away from imperial rule. This didn't go very successfully early on 
and China kind of ended up being ruled by warlords. Um, and the Kumateng is eventually, um, and the communist Chinese integrate themselves into it and cause a bunch of infighting. And there's sort of a little bit of a civil war that happens. Um, what ends up happening is the communists overtake the Kumateng. Um, Mao Zedong rises to power in the 40s, and that becomes the communist mainland China that we're aware of. The remaining people from the Kumateng who had been ruling mainland China all flee to Taiwan, which was the Republic of China before mainland China becomes the People's Republic of China. And this is the reason there's now a uh, one China policy. China likes to pretend like they're united with uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan. But those islands have um, consistently kept uh, individual ruling bodies and have tried to stay as separate from mainland China as they can. But mainland China can't really get rid of them because they're wealthy ports. It's kind of like why the British want Northern Ireland. Or why um, our mainland, Sp you know, main, uh, all of Spain doesn't want, um, uh, what's the northern part? Uh, oh, I the... Yeah, go ahead. If you got it, I, I, I can't think of it. Those mountains in the north, the Bosque region. Catalonia, maybe? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I never say it right, yeah. Uh, but basically, I what I know about uh, these kind of things, I, get, I glean from uh, the BBC Global News podcast. And so Catalonia is the, north, is the northern part of Spain where Barcelona is based. And they're, from what I hear, they're, they're much wealthier than the you know pe people southern on the southern end and where around madrid and so catalonia kind of both politically and for financial reasons wants to break off but spain wants to keep them all united yeah this is a it's a common thing throughout the world and if you look at mainland china part of the difficulties uh communist the communist party faced was uniting several groups of people. The largest ethnic majority in China is um, the Han. Mm -hmm. And the smaller groups are like the Miu, um, the people from Tibet. And they've tried to like mostly abolish religion, to destroy temples, to erase like the religious and historical past of China that does not serve communism. But on the islands like Hong Kong, because it was a British protectorate until 1997, and Taiwan, because you have those remaining uh, rebellious elements, they were able to maintain their individual identity a little bit more and also hide their wealth. Um, so Dai Ping, the man who sings a song at midnight every night to his love Zia, Xia Zhao. Zhao, that's it. So every night Dai Ping sings a song to Zhao about how he loves her and how he still believes in the revolution and how he still like, you know, wants China to be this independent, modernized, industrialized, wealthy nation with her at his side, but he cannot. Zhao goes every night to listen to this. It's her anchor into the physical world, but she sincerely believes she is being sung to by a ghost. 
That might be why she's a little crazy. <laughs> tell, yeah, tell her I'm dead. Oh, I miss her so much. But let me sing to her every night. Yeah, and I, I think he did it out of guilt because she just goes completely bonkers when they tell her that he's dead. Um, like she pulls her hair and like rips at her face and just has a laughing fit. I think fit. she spit up blood. Yeah. Yeah, she she vomited blood. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So I Diping, I think, is the he's definitely the Eric in this or the Sereno de Vergerac. Um it's weird that he has this revolutionary quality, but at the same time the Phantom of the Opera references the uh the communards who had um, used the cellars of the under construction opera house to hide out in and store munitions and prisoners. This is like an actual piece of French history. So I could see like working in like that the phantom is a revolutionary, but that's, you know, that's not canon to the book. They did totally gender flip Christine, which is kind of cool. There's an interesting take, there's an interesting twist on the right on the story as we've seen thus far. Yeah, because instead of uh, being redeemed, he in some ways wants to redeem the woman he loves to like save her from the madness that has consumed her because I guess he either like couldn't get her away from her warlord father in time or he feels guilty that, you know, she just fell apart. I think that Elle has just received the gift of ice cream. Yay. That's that smile says yes. Um so it's like I feel like hard put to say that somebody specifically is a Christine though. This isn't a direct adaptation. We're it's dealing with where it's inspired by the Phantom of the Opera more than it is attempting to tell the the same story. Right, but um, Mr. Sun definitely falls into the role of apprentice as far as music. Yeah, and it's, they have a, like, there's, it, it's like a, it's a teacher-mentor relationship. Like, there's that, like, that love that's not romantic love that they share, which it's interesting to see in a film. Um, and I like that they didn't try to, like, make him feel conflicted between uh, Zing and his girlfriend that like he was just going to stay with the girlfriend and he thought that this was just a musical thing. But at the end when Dai Ping like sacrifices himself for him, he does like take on the honorable thing. That's also very Asian. Yep. Um, also like they hug instead of kiss, which is, that's a big thing in a lot of Asian cinema. Oh yeah. There's a lot, there's, it's it's a weird sort of conservative lean that I have on the media where uh, across the, you know the across the countries you know China India especially there's a there's a strict sort of not wanting to showcase actual you know you know the displays of affection between actors on screen they wanted to keep it basically like you know very simplified very like fifties. America, like you didn't see, like not no no kissing. Well, but people hugging. kissed in like fifties American film, but yeah, it's. But it was yeah, exactly like it's nothing weirdly chaste. Exactly, and I, 
I don't know. I think it's just that lean of we don't want to get the audiences all hot and bothered. We want to make it all. We we want to make it clean and safe for everybody. I don't know. It's it's it's. But it's it mentality. was implied. Yeah, it's definitely. They didn't. Implied. They didn't have things filmed, but it was definitely implied. Oh, God, what was it? I just read. Um, I think it was in Casablanca that uh, that it was the Hayes Code. What was when they had that in effect, they could only show like 10 seconds of kissing on screen. And mm. then they got around it by doing a pan shot around the room to showcase how long it's been that they've been kissing. You know, implying that they've been kissing a while while only showing 10 seconds of actual kissing on screen. Well, in uh, Gone with the Wind, um, there's a rape scene in it. Yeah. But it's just implied. It's you, you mm-hmm. Brett Butler carries her up the stairs while she fights him, and then the next morning she's obviously they kind of act like she liked it, but it's that's supposed to be spousal rape. So it's it, it, American cinema does have elements of well, let's hide what's actually happening, happening so like children and real naive people won't get it because I did not when I was a little kid and watched Gone with the Wind. I yeah, didn't understand what that meant. Unless you're, you know, unless you can recognize the signs of it, you're not going to be able to pick up on it. Um, I did think it was interesting in the opening scene where he's singing to her on the balcony. I have a friend who's uh, from Taiwan. And so I asked him, I'm like, okay, so in Chinese culture, is white the color for death like it is in Japan? And he's like, yes, it is inappropriate to ever send white flowers. And I'm like, okay. And I showed him a screenshot of her. I'm like, is she supposed to be in like funeral garb? And he's like, actually, she looks a lot like those hopping ghosts that happen in a Buddhist mythology. And he's like, so she is supposed to look like the living dead, kind of. Hmm. So she's wearing like this kind of funeral attire and like all of the colors she wears are funerary. And if you look, when she sends flowers for Daiping, when he first takes off the bandages, they're white flowers. So I think, I don't know if that was a consideration because it's a black and white film or it was the filmmaker's way of saying that he was going to, in essence, now be dead to her. I think that's I, it, it's probably a little of both because you want when you're working with, you know, uh, cr- uh, monochromatic film, you don't want you want colors to stand out. That's so you want starker white differences between white and black. So that so I can see him doing that for the site for the visual of it. And then at the same time, also incorporating aspects of their own culture to signify to the people watching that know it. Oh, oh, she, oh, she, it, you know, she's basically uh, uh, kind of like a se- semi-goth, I guess, with their version of that, where it's like she is almost morbid and considers herself dead to the world without uh, her loved one there. Yeah, I think that that's safe to say. Like, I, I don't know if she's, like, writing lame poetry in Denny's on a Friday night, but... She's not listening to My Chemical Romance or anything like that. <laughs> Man, it's Death Cab for Cutie. Get it right. That's... <laughs> oh, throwbacks. It's not, the, it's not the cure. It's not the cure, the Chinese cure, which I'm pretty sure is some kind of centipede. Anyways. Rhino horn and tiger blood. So... I wanted to ask Elle, as a romance writer, what do you think about how this film was handled? 
is it handled well? Are the romantic like tropes good or like what? Well, there aren't really any discernible tropes per se. I mean, there's there is, I guess, the the unrequited nature of her affection. Well, it's not even unrequited because they do love each other. They just aren't together because they're morons. Um, <laughs> like she she thinks he's dead, but then he sings to her, so she's going bonkers because she's like hearing voices in her head because this guy's dead. Um, and she was a doormat. I mean, she had no purpose other than to be the love interest. She had, she did nothing but wail and faint. And then there was Mr. Sun's girlfriend or lover who was shot. And he was just like, oh, okay. Bye. I'm like, wow. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there goes that. Dang it. Well, this opens up a lot of opportunities. <laughs> right. Like, there was no, he, he had no, I didn't see at least an emotional reaction when his girlfriend got shot. And then he's like, well, I guess I'll just be with this other chick. I will say that, <clears throat> oh, spoilers. <clears throat> the end scene where they like are embracing on the cliff face, looking out into the ocean where Dai Ping died they do kind of to me convey like a forlorn affection like they're drawn together through these tragic circumstances but that's not a satisfying love but that might have just been me reading into it yeah it wasn't very uh, it wasn't very affectionate to me yeah i think that you're probably right they're they're drawn together because of their their mutual affection for Mr. Song and some kind of sense of obligation that's cultural and I don't understand. Um, well, I, but as Dai Ping as made Sun promise that he would take care of her, so he, he's honor bound to do that. And he can fully fulfill it because right. his girlfriend died. But that's the only reason he can. Mm hmm. And also, say? the girlfriend dies. Girlfriend it's, dies. Yeah, the only reason the girlfriend dies is so that okay, now I can now now there's not that weirdness. But when I had to fulfill my obligation to you know to my mentor, it, it is very convenient that she dies. And Elle's right; it's she's just kind of cast off. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're supposed to not be that sympathetic for her because she's like openly inviting Dai Ping to her bedroom and openly allowing him to be in there while she luxuriates on the bed, which I'm sure is hinting that they are having a sexual relationship. Are you talking uh, Mr. Sun and his girlfriend? I mean, Mr. Sun and his girlfriend. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Uh, no, you, yeah. Well, yeah, like back then, that was that was scandalous. That's you know? scandalous, yeah. So, I mean, we're not supposed to, I don't think we're supposed to have that much sympathy for the character that dies. Like, maybe Mr. Sun can do better with a chaste woman that would drive yeah. herself to madness rather than move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a doormat. So are you guys saying you're not going to drive yourself to madness if I die in a, like, horrible, disfiguring acid accident? Well, no. we would. We, well, we wouldn't go completely mad. Although we would miss you a lot, and I don't know if we would continue on. Fandom well, she didn't say she was going to die, did she? 
Well, I mean, I'm going to pretend like I'm dead so you don't have to see my horrible, like, you know, meatball face. You're, you're a turkey jerky face? Didn't, wait. Now I want turkey jerky. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> <God. laughs> um. So, yeah. What, so, okay, so what do you guys think of Daiping's uh, hideous ground beef face? It's a, or, it's a, it, it works better than, uh, than, uh, Gerard Butler's, definitely. Yeah, Gerard Butler's, like, a bad tan. It's like, sunburn. I stayed, I stayed in the tanning bed for too long. <laughs> what were you going to say, L? Well, I think for the era, I think it was very convincing. Yeah, he looks like, he kind of looks like, like, an Asian demon. If you've ever seen pictures of, like, Onis or, like, other, like, Asian, like, malevolent mythological creatures and maybe that's supposed to like hint at some of his uh surviving what happened to him because if you you know he was supposed to die of like a heart attack from the shock of being doused in acid because it, it screwed up like all the way down to his hands wow yeah no i thought it got his hands because he was trying to cover his face maybe that's it I don't, this is also the second Phantom we've got where he was disfigured by acid attack. Yeah, so I wonder, like, the 43 film, that's not that much longer after. Did they get the idea from that? Because you also have in the 43 film, in the original script, he's supposed to be a father figure to Christine. And he still plays as it, even with that line removed. Like, he comes across as a father figure. So did the Chinese film influence the 43 film? It wouldn't surprise me. Are you referring to the fact that they called each other little sister and big brother? Wait, what? <laughs> so uh, the scene where Dang Ping, Ping. and Dai Ping and I think Zhao first get together, I think they confess their love. The translation says they're calling each other little sister and big brother. And I was asking you referring to that. I think I was. Now that's a cultural thing. Like I've, I watched, my husband teaches martial arts. So I've watched a ridiculous amount of like Kung Fu movies and whatnot. And in China, at least that if you have like you, I would call you my sister because we are on familiar terms. Okay. So even though they're calling each other big brother, little sister, that can still mean that only means that they are familiar with each other on a one-on-one -on -one. like they could le legitimately be going towards an intimate relationship they're not actually related i could not imagine calling my husband big brother i, mean, I think a lot of it gets lost in translation like oh, the, the a lot of the subtitles were just ridiculous <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, see, i don't think that was the word they meant i watched a <laughs> i watched it on amazon because i was hoping it would be cleaned up better and I really would like to see a Criterion version of this oh, film because yeah. there's some Criterion. really beautiful pictures. It's a beautiful picture, but it is rough. <coughs> yeah, give this to an archivist of some kind. Criterion, Kino, any number of people that can clean it up, you know, like make it look pristine and HD quality. And uh, I... I, I 
That's what, yeah. uh, that's what I'm worried. It's how many adaptations, the further we go on, will have just been completely lost because nobody cared. Yeah, because I, it has the difficulties that are common to films from this era, but I legitimately enjoyed watching this. It's a oh, good yeah. film. I this would is, recommend it. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, you'll probably have to go out of your way to find it, uh, once again, because it's... It's public domain on YouTube with subtitles. John is just working his way towards watching another Dario Argento film. I'm just, I'm just giving you what I, my experience, shush, and the fact that we have to shush. I, shush. Also, watching things through an official release would be a lot. You know, you know, I, I like supporting the artists. You know, that's why I don't like going to third-party websites for some things. If I have to watch stuff for Popcorn Junkie on third-party websites because no, nothing's available. The, you can't stream it. You, the DVD is like 50 bucks because it was only released in the 90s once. So John? Yeah. yeah. This film was released in 1930-fucking-7. Everybody involved with this film is probably dead or so old they think their right hand is a cucumber. <laughs> their estate should get the money then. Oh yeah! Because... If they have an estate, yeah. We you if you want to hunt them down and give them money, you can do that. But it's on YouTube. I can, free. I I, I, I just say it. You know, it, it, watch it, it. Watch it however you can. Dude, I, I, the the copyright on films in America from that era are problematic. I can't imagine hunting down the Hong Kong version. But this is public domain. It is a public domain film. Which is so, going to get easier for people to want to pick up. Eh, I, yeah, I know. We're, we're going into weird tangent territory. But it, it's also seen as a piece of like uh, Asian cinema history. So it has a cultural significance to even the People's Republic of China. So they have an interest in not just letting anybody touch it. Exactly. So I don't think they're going to like ever really care that there's translations on YouTube, but if you start trying to clean it up, they might want some money. Right. Mm-hmm. And they might want to say and and how you go about it too. And, and I also want to say like, I am massively biting my tongue on my opinion of the people's Republic of China, but cause that doesn't have a place in this podcast, but this is not a political no. discourse podcast. This is a fan of the opera fan podcast. And let's, let's just say, yeah, of- this is, this is hard for me. It's hard for me. It's also, I mean, we've set our pieces on American politics. It just in asides, but we don't want to go international with this. Yeah. China, there's a lot of people to fight with. I don't want to start it. Uh, yeah, we don't want to start a flame war. So, I am trying to. So let's let's start let's start rating this thing, and we'll see if any other like weird diatribes pop out at us. Because I don't really know what else to say. There's no chandelier scene. Yeah, no. There's not. Um, the major disaster is kind of like burning down an old barn that Dai Ping's hiding in. Yeah, they had the the uh, picket mob. I was kind of excited. <laughs> I know it was like Elle's got her mob again. She's gonna be so mad. It's like even the Chinese have pitchforks and torches. Yep. <laughs> That's the other thing. Uh, when I was watching it, the the audio quality sound. It, there's just a if you I've seen a lot of um, stuff like old Popeye cartoons, old Disney cartoons, and you know old movies from that era. 
when the audio has has this weird, like almost warp sound effect to it. Yep. And well, there, you see that across, you know, productions. So I'm wondering if it's just, you know, just the, the, the audio degrading over time or if it's just, that's just how it sounded when they were recording it initially or? I don't think that that recording equipment was very sophisticated. So you're talking about degradation on what's already problematic recordings. Like if you look at old like blues songs from America in the, roughly that period, a lot of them still, even with digital cleanup, have a very like tinny quality and that has to do with what they're recorded on. So yes, and then like converting the media and just the age of the media. And I mean, I don't even, I don't know anything about Hong Kong's recording process at this point. It could be that this is from like a record that was played alongside the movie for all I know. I like that they had, um... I think the name of the song is Night on Bald Mountain. Oh, God, they did. Yes. Have that. <laughs> during, <laughs> during the mob scene. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I was laughing at that. I was like, oh, shit, Mickey, what'd you do? <laughs> oh, no, they got, they got, uh, is it Modest Mazorts? No, that's Modest else. Magorski. Mazorts, Mazorts, Ma Magorski. I thought it was a Mazorski. I thought the S was before. Anyway, point John? is, I don't think it's him. Where's your grandpa? Because me and Ellie are getting like a bag of diamonds, whatever else a true resurrect spell. Go to the case. go to our town's go to our town's cleric, pay two hundred right. GP or five thousand GP, however much it is. It's a lot. True resurrects a lot because you don't want your zombie grandpa on the podcast. He's just gonna want to talk about brains. Yeah. And after like two minutes of that, especially since he's been down there for over a decade. Yeah, we're we're dealing with like bones and some soup at this point. At least he wasn't cremated, then we'd be fucked. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's rate our uh, let's rate as best we can, I guess. Um. So okay, let's start. Let's start this way then. The mob, on a scale of <laughs> one to five, with one being the worst possible mob. Like it's like three guys who are like, uh, and one of them's got a cell phone, despite the fact that it's a period piece. Yeah. <laughs> And five being like, oh shit, they're coming for me too. I completely believe in this mob. I, in fact, would perhaps join them and loot and ravage Paris. Um, how do you rank this mob? L, you go first. Um, I'm going to go with five because I don't understand how the mob formed. It just did and it ran with it. Uh, they had pitchforks, they had fire, they had a theme song. Five. Five. I, you know what? We need this mob to help protest in America for healthcare reform. Seriously. Oh, God. So, John, what would you what would you rank the mob? I, I would agree. It was a solid five out of five mob. You know, more more movie mobs. If more movie mobs were like this, we'd probably still have movie mobs. I mean, I'm going to agree. The Chinese know how to mob. They are the mobbiest <laughs> mobbers. Please, China, don't ever... Please, Hong Kong, don't ever come mob us. We'll cry a lot. Maybe they learned it from the British. Like they're like England. I learned it from watching you. So Dai Ping as Eric on a scale of one to five. How would you? Uh, I think that our one is now Julian Sands. Yep. And our five would be I don't know. I'm gonna 
Lon Chaney, probably. Probably. Or like the book, Eric. What would you say, L? I don't know. It's really hard to compare. I mean, he's disfigured. He has a great singing voice. But Yeah, and kind of bonkers. But not murderous. Yeah. And he's really more into like the glorious revolution. Right. So, so Daiping's like, just his own thing. Is like he three? He's three. I would yeah. Three because he's not he's not he's not living under an opera house. He lives in like a tower. No, he lives he, above the theater. He lives and, in the garden theater. Yeah, above it. Not right. below it. Above, he's not a mole person. What the fuck? And he doesn't he doesn't poon jab people. <laughs> did he actually did he actually he actually killed Tang though, right? Yeah, he threw him out a window. Yeah, so I mean he killed one guy, but it was kind of it was the guy who, and self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean right. Tang. So like, we're gonna go with three. Yeah. Tang just can't get enough pussy. <laughs> how I feel he would say it if he spoke English. He'd be like, look at that pussy. So, John, what do you think of Daiping as the Phantom of the Opera? I kind of agree with L. Uh, three, maybe three point five uh, Phantom out of, out of five Phantoms, with the asterisk being this isn't like a traditional. He's the, he is the Phantom of the Garden Theater. He is not the Phantom of the Opera, and I'm okay with him as the Phantom of the Garden Theater. Exactly. So that's where I'm going to leave him. Yeah, I mean, he fits most of the criteria. He's, you know, he's mysterious, he's brooding, he's disfigured, and, he, you know, he, he, you know, he has a longing for his, for this love that has been denied his, you know, due, this time due to uh, interference from other people's circuit, you know, from other people's um, assault on him, whereas in the book and in most traditional depictions of him, it's through his own defigurement, through his own, through his own, you know, just life the universe just completely shitting on him and saying, you can't have nice things, Eric. You can't have nice things, Daiping. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry about the way we're brutalizing your lovely Asian languages, people from all kinds of like Hong Kongy China places. People of the East, please forgive us. We are horrible gaijin, even though we're, we're a Japanese we're term. Fucking honkies. Guilos. Honky honk honk honk. Guilos. There you go. Is that White the Chinese? Ah, oh, there you go. White devil. Wilo. Yep. You know, Something I can't, it. I don't feel like I could even ask about Christine, by the way, because you have like two people that are really kind of Christine. By the way, other thing that bothers me, he like sings to the chicky boo across the balcony from a window, but she can't see him because. Shadows. He's, okay. He's got a hood on. He's got like a, a shade over his head. It's a black shade he's like hiding off That's to the right. side. Also, yeah. also, I guess you know yeah, she's crazy. Reason. She can't see him. She's got her crazy goggles on. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So I. Mm, so son is a Christine. I'm gonna give him like two as an apprentice. He's a good apprentice. He's he's who yeah. played Knight on Bald Mountain. He's Mickey Mouse. He's just not wearing his wizard hat. Exactly. Although that was uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Anyway. <laughs> we know. It's the same piece of music. Yeah. That's the same movie. 
It sounds like crickets anyway. are playing in the background. Isn't that nice? Actually, there is a cricket playing in the background where I live because one of them escaped the, you know, horrible festering maws of my, like, pet bearded dragon and has, like, you know, been singing for his love at mid, not at midnight, but, like, frequently. Song at 11.45 p.m. Song at, like, whenever the fuck he feels like it, basically, is how that's going. Curls, 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 curls. Um, so yeah, I don't even know, like there, there's no real Christine in this. Yeah. There's like a, it's like if you split Christine from. Christine is two people. Yeah. You know, you split the romance. You got the apprentice who served his purpose and he was, he was good. And then you've got the female, um, fainting, weeping, no motivation just there because she has a vagina. So. If they have sex, is that like Christine folding in on herself and causing some kind of like universal like physics catastrophe wherein a like black hole or wormhole is created and at that point mankind rises to a new level and summons Godzilla? I am down for that. Wow. See, this is why I should write movies. <laughs> Seriously. Nobody would know what was going on and then suddenly there'd be Godzilla. All I know is that uh, I just, the two, the same people come up, and all I can think is, is it gay or is it masturbation? The, the, the struggle continues in that discussion. What's wrong with either one? Anyway. Matter of fact, I'm down for some gay masturbation. Let's go to you porn later. We'll hold all hands. Right, <laughs> after watching uh, Dario Argento, I think we can improve it by uh, going to RedTube. Just Here watching you go. The first thing that comes up. What were you going to say before John got like slightly offensive and earned more Dario Argento points? L. While you were talking about um, writing plots for movies, I said, "Well, whenever I get stuck on a plot, I just blow stuff up." So I totally understand. <laughs> you know what? I think that Book Eric would approve of that. He'd be like, "You go, girl. You fucking store that gunpowder under your house. Let's go." <laughs> yep. He's like, do you want to borrow my brass cricket and brass scorpion to turn? <laughs> I amuse me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no Carlotta in this, so we can't. Yeah, there's not really a Raul. Is the girlfriend the Raul, the oh, one that gets shot? Would, would Tang be the Raul? Or not Tang, but... Um, Tang might... Yeah, the, the, the... yeah, Tang is the, the villain. Did he you might... say Wu-Tang? Because we are not listening to Wu-Tang Clan, John. Or we, can so I said... we can close out on Wu-Tang Clan. They ain't nothing we... to F with. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Um, I don't want to get sued. Too late. Go Anyways, ahead. what Go were you saying, Al? <laughs> well, he was... I, I don't, I've never liked Raul's character. I always call him a tool. And, you know, just make him a villain, and then you've got Tang, so... He could be Raul. So, Otherwise, so, there's no one. So I think our best Raul at this point is sadly the Dario Argento Raul. And the worst Raul is probably the 43 where he's like a detective. Yeah. So in part of a like three-way love triangle. So which? how would you rank uh, Tang as Raul? Um, bad. Bad. Yeah, I, I, I rank him as something, <laughs> he's, uh, he's something astronauts drink in space. 
Yes. He's an evil tool. He's slightly gritty powdered drink. Slightly, yeah, that like never really dissolves all the way and makes you mad because you've stirred it for like thirty goddamn seconds. Like how many Why more goddamn? Chewing my beverage. I feel like I'm eating sand. It's got vitamin C. Go ahead and drink it down. It's good for you. I'm the phantom of the old lady. Drink your tang. I'm drink the phantom it. of the nursing home. God damn it, Taipei. I've had it since 1936. God damn it, Taipei. Quit tank. throwing your tang out the window. I know. I know you're doing that. It's orange down there. It's the, my white crocuses are now all orange. I know. My tang predates the space program. That's how long I've had it. Okay, John, we're not talking about your pooty tang. tang. Before it was cool. We're not Sarate. talking about pooty tang, so just stop. Sarate, sarate. Once again, I would like to say Tang says, <laughs> anyways, I gotta stop. I gotta, ugh. that's why yeah. this gets an explicit rating. It's pretty uh, much just me. Um, so then finally, it's just, how do we rate this as a phantom? I think as a phantom of the opera that. Well, there's version. no, there's no Meg Geary. There's no Madam Geary. There's, there's a phantom, two Christines, no and maybe a Raul. There's sort of managers. Sort of. They're broke. That's all that's all we know. All right. Yeah, so as a Phantom of the Opera, with uh one being the Dario Argento abomination, and five being I guess the book is the basis yep. for comparison. Where do you rank this? Elle, you go first. I'm gonna give it a three because if you're not familiar with any of the other fandom, it still holds up well. Like you, if you pay attention, you understand what's going on. You might have to do a little history research, but yeah. After I found out what I the Kuma tank was, this made a lot more sense. I was like, okay, so I right. get it. All right, John, yep. what are what are you doing? Three, three. It's it's got it's got the basis. It's got like the uh, what are they called? Like the it's got like the base. Yeah. The for, essence. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's got like little bits of the Phantom there, but then it goes, <laughs> but then it adds its own aspects to it that make it not very recognizable. So you'd only recognize it if you understand like li- basics of the Phantom. Otherwise, it's still, I mean, it's a much, it's a, it's a mo- great movie in its own right, but it's not the best version of the Phantom of the Opera that we're going to get. You know, as a Phantom version, I'm going to give it like, it's better than the Argento film, so I'm going to say like a 1.5, but I don't feel like it's very true at all. Now, that said, watch it. It's awesome. It's public domain. You can just find it on YouTube. I feel like if your kids don't get icked out easily, it's not going to freak them out, assuming they can read subtitles. Um, if you're going to watch a piece of classic Asian cinema, I feel like this is very worthy of watching, but it really is like... Les Mis, Sereno de Vergerac, and The Phantom congealed into one, like, revolutionary post-industrial film. And I will arm wrestle any of you motherfuckers over that. Who wants to go first? Please say John. I don't, think I, can, I don't think I can win against Elle. She used to throw children on a regular basis. We can bring back my grandpa and you can arm wrestle him. He was he was in the he was in the army. 
you know what? Bike. Well, thank him for serving, but fuck you at the same time because me and your grandpa are going to go down to the bar and drink with Tang and get some pussy. Because <laughs> he's been dead for long enough. He's going to be all like, he's going to be the perfect wingman. He's going to be like, I have been hard, bone hard for like 10 years now. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my mom's going to love it when she hears this. Your mom listens? I have no idea. Oh, shit. Um, uh, I'll, I'll ask her to skip this episode. John's mom, please, uh, please email the hate mail to phantom of the podcast at gmail.com because I get the hate mail and not the other two. Uh, yeah, we're also on Facebook and we're, we're getting yeah. some real traction on Facebook actually. Yeah. I, I put up an ad. With a beef jerky face. And we've been, like, my phone blows up every couple of minutes with somebody new checking out our podcast. So yeah, so welcome new you. people. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, listening to and enjoying our complete and other, uh, like, obsessive fandom nonsense. Also, I am working on a Phantom of the Opera half sleeve tattoo, and I can't wait to show that off on social media. It's by Amanda Fabian from uh, Urban Art Tattoo in Arlington, and she's just awesome. She did my uh, Alan Alda Alphonse Mucha mashup tattoo. That sounds amazing. It's a mashup, Hawkeye Pierce mashup. Yeah, I did this in Art I Swear, and Katie, I think, was about to like sterilize me by reaching up into my vagina and pulling my fallopian tubes out through my nose. Don't ask how that works, I, I'm not an anatomy person. That would have been cheaper. <laughs> the the e sure I had yeah you're probably right except Obamacare paid for it thank you Obamacare thanks Obama. hey, Obamacare yeah I went in and the gynecologist was like yes please let me let me let me neuter you and I'm like yay yay um so do you guys have anything y'all wanna you know I kind of have pitched Art I Swear as my other podcast. Do you want to, like, mention your podcast that you also do, guys? Because we're part of now the Gumby Cat Network, which is podcasting for podcast people. So on the Gumby Cat Networks is available. You go for a sell. Tell them about your thing. Uh, I am a co-host of Focus on Fantasy Romance. Uh, We are a podcast. We discuss fantasy romance, the book is industry. We do interviews, and we get off topic. Exciting. John, yeah. what do you what do you do? Uh, what do you think your grandpa do? Uh, God, I wish I could have my grandpa here. He'd even make a much better co-host. Um, I do mainly the Popcorn Junkie podcast, which is movie reviews. I discuss uh, all the new releases as they come out. Mostly uh, recently, I've had to cut back because finances. But I also go into topics of like filmmaking and the industry and. I'm also working on a D&D podcast uh, where all it needs to do now is just edit it down into nice, uh, you know, digestible chunks, and then we can start releasing it. It's called Tragic Missile. And it's going to be amazing. For just 39 cents a day, you too can fund a popcorn junkie. Help him buy snacks at the snack bar and consume media. Anyways. All right. Anyway. Yeah, that, that would be, that's the exciting things that have 
Been going on. I also want to like say like we have a really cool intro, and I'd like to thank Jim Hansen for doing the voiceover work, and uh, this Scandinavian fellow called Brotherworks for doing the music. He was pretty awesome, and check him out on SoundCloud because I said so. Also because he's amazing, and you deserve good things in your life. I and mean, he's gonna help us resurrect John's grandpa. It's gonna be great. He's gonna he's gonna speak in the Fliberty Gibbets, which is what. He- He's going to be our cleric. Yeah, everybody everybody in Scandinavia is a cleric. They don't want you to know that because they want you to like have the lamest fight ever where it's just like, oh my god, I lost hit point, slap. Oh my god, I lost hit point, slap. They're regained. Yay, lay hands. Let's go. <laughs> hands Across the Water by Wings was actually a song about clerics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're good. It, and for D&D questions, please email John at hotbunsimissmygrandpa at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, I'm going to sign off now. This has been... At geocities.com, yes. Yeah, at geocities.angelfire.com. Yep. <laughs> this has been Phantom of the Podcast, and I'm Vanessa, the worst human being ever, signing off. Bye.